From Ramsey Network, this is The Fine Print, a show where we talk about the hidden truths that are keeping you broke. I'm George Camel, and in every episode, I do the research for you on the latest financial trends and traps to help save you time and money. This week, we're breaking down a topic reaching Black Friday levels of hype and hysteria, the real estate gold rush. No, home buyers aren't busting out their tents and lining up outside of home listings yet, but hey, I wouldn't put it past them. Competition in this market is cutthroat, and people are doing some pretty crazy stuff to stay in the game. We're talking offer letters that include the naming rights of firstborn children kind of crazy. I wish that was a joke. A woman in Maryland working with Redfin offered to name her firstborn child after the seller in the offer letter. She lost. Now, this year's housing grab could sound a lot like last year's toilet paper shortage, but there are some real compelling factors influencing people to act now. Since the start of the pandemic, mortgage interest rates have reached all-time lows. But if we're being honest, most of us reached all-time lows during the pandemic. But at least with mortgage interest, lows are a good thing. We're talking rates in the 2% range, which for reference, 3% was the historical low for years according to the government-backed lending giant Freddie Mac. Now, I know what you're thinking. It sounds like a pretty good time to buy a house. But because there are more buyers than available homes on the market, things are getting pretty weird out there. In fact, in May 2021, the National Association of Realtors data showed that active inventory, a.k.a. houses for sale, was down 20% from the previous year, which drove home prices up 23% for that same period. Look at it this way. There's way less houses on the market, and a house that would have sold for $350,000 last year would sell today for over $430,000. For you homeowners, that's an $80,000 equity jump in one year without you lifting a finger. If you remember the 2008 recession, you might feel like things in the housing market are getting a bit bubbly again, making it hard for aspiring and existing homeowners to know what to do. And the only thing we want bubbly is a glass of champagne or sparkling water, not the housing market. So to figure out what the heck is actually going on, I talked to Brian Buffini. He's a real estate industry analyst, speaker, and best-selling author. After becoming one of the nation's top realtors, he founded Buffini & Company, which has now trained over 3 million business professionals in 41 countries. Surely, this guy has a clue what's going on. Brian, it's so good to have you on the fine print. You haven't been busy at all, have you? A busy man working day and night, brother, working day and night, trying to keep up with this busy market. Brian, the housing gold rush, tell me what trends you're seeing and how is it different from maybe things we've seen in the past? Uh, well, thanks, George. Yeah, it's, uh, it is very different. I'm 35 years in the business. One out of every eight homes in the country sold through our members of realtors. And um, this one is different. You know, it's very different. You know, the number one Googled question on the Internet regarding housing is when is the housing market going to crash? And that, that, that question is up. 2,550% in the last 90 days. Wow. So the big trend is not only are people looking for a crash, it's when is it going to happen. And I got some interesting news for people because it ain't coming. I've been around many booms and busts in real estate for 35 years, at least five of them. The difference here is that people are putting more down payment than ever before. So in past, like the Great Recession, yet people put almost no money down and had adjustable rate mortgages. So what happens is they were open. They were exposed. Now what's happened is the average down payment in America has doubled and they're fixed rate mortgages. 
So that in and of itself is a major difference than anything we've ever seen. On top of that, we have, you know, the major issue is supply and demand, right? We know that. America right now is 15 million housing units short just to meet current demand. Since the Great Recession in 2009, housing starts stopped. So we needed about 1.3 million homes a year from the construction side, and we were making about seven or 800,000. So we were about 500,000 homes short for year after year after year after year. So housing is only getting more and more compressed, more and more demand. Rent is going up more and more. And then on top of that, with a COVID lockdown, and all of a sudden the home became the single biggest thing in somebody's life. Mm. So it might feel very bleak. If someone's trying to get into the market, there are definitely some challenges. But there's also some great hope. And there's also some great reasons uh, to still persevere to get in the game, you know? Mm. It's going to take a little more time. You're having to look longer, look harder. I believe our, our recent real estate report, 25,000 Realtors, said that the average amount of days that it takes for a buyer to find a home now is 96, which is triple what it was just four years ago. 14 homes toured. So it takes longer. Days. Wow. Yep. Yeah, 96 days. I'm sure they sell in like four hours, but it takes 96 yeah. days to find it, right? So for a seller, the average seller received five offers so far this year. And as opposed to 2020, which was considered a hot year, 3.4 offers per house. So more offers. Average sale time is 17 days. Last year, average sales time was 27 days. So a buyer is going to have to look harder, look longer. They're going to have to work harder to get a down payment. And so the rates are going to stay low. They'll probably be low until 2023. A 15-year mortgage right now is 2.1%. Wow. Right, fixed. And is that, that's driving a lot of decisions, right? Because they're going, well, the, the sure. rates are so low, so I got to get in. But they still can't afford the house to begin with, right? Is that yeah. part of the problem? Well, part of it, and, and, and the dynamic is it's just a bigger part of your, your home spend. Your, your home spend is a bigger part of your salary now. Homes become a bigger deal. Homes become more valuable to people. Uh, it's a workplace. It's a school. I need a, a bedroom that I can call my office so I can do my Zoom calls and team meetings and so on and so forth. So where can you get those? A little out of the traditional market centers, a little out of the cities, a little out of the mainstream. And what we're seeing across the country now is in a lot of areas that were more rural, towns are picking up, homes are picking up, like Californians moving to Idaho. That really never happened before. Yeah, we're seeing that with people coming from California to Nashville, and they're coming in with all cash offers, frustrating all the locals, <laughs> going, how yeah. are you affording this $800,000 house in cash? This is crazy. And it's stirring up the market. So, you know, your big question was, how is this different? It's very different, yet there are some things in place there is constant demand. What we are seeing is that entry-level homes have cooled off because of the price increase has really stretched people's down payments. So that's cooled off the entry-level market. We're seeing a trend. There's been people who were reluctant, older people who wanted to put their home on the market, downsize or move out of state. They're waiting for the COVID to kind of settle down. So what we are expecting to see is a little more inventory, a little more release of housing. The start of the year, there were more housing starts than we've had in the last 10 years. So we're going to see some new homes hit the market. So I believe in the fall and through the winter and into early spring next year, there will be more inventory than what there's been. You're hopeful. And so there That's is, good. yeah, there is hope. I think you have to be aggressive. It's going to cost you more. It's going to sacrifice more. You might be on the spaghetti noodles and top ramen and the cup of soup for a while. So the bottom line is you can keep 
matriculate in your house. You can keep acquiring that. You can keep moving forward. And it, it helped an immigrant like me get started in America. It's, it, anybody can do it. Yeah, you got an inspiring story for sure. So I've read all sorts of articles. That, you know, there's stuff out there about why the rush is happening. The stimulus money's adding more money into the system. Yeah. The low interest rates. Millennials are yeah. starting to enter the housing market, going, "Hey, I don't want to spend money on rent." That's a, there's right. a lot going on. Is there one thing that's going to happen that will cause all of this to sort of fizzle? Well, we know one thing that's coming, and it's been predicted and talked about. There's no, there's no joke. A year ago, the chairman of the Federal Reserve said, we will not raise rates until 2023. And never in my life have I seen, hey, for three years, they're guaranteeing they're going to keep the rates down. I mean, it's kind of contrary to the market because they're altering the market. Mm. So at some point in time, rates are going to increase. I'm not sure what's going to happen to prices. I think they're going to just flatten at that time. I don't think they're going to dip appreciably because people have equity. You know, there's not going to be a rash of foreclosures because people have equity. You have foreclosures when people have no equity. And so I think by 2023, you're going to see higher interest rates, and the higher interest rates will definitely cool off the market, no question. You know, I'm 35 years in the business. You could never forecast the interest rates more than four or five months out. But there's not a lot out there. Are people making some crazy decisions? Because what we've been seeing is yeah. people are waiving the inspection. They're waiving the appraisal. They're putting yeah. way over asking, you know, 50 grand, 70 yeah. grand over asking price to get into this house. Are there also some really poor decisions being made where people are going to be house poor? Well, here's the thing. You can't let the emotion of the moment uh, make the decision for you. you. You better be buying a house and saying, I'm comfortable at least living in this house for at least five years. That's a minimum frame of reference because even if you're not, if you're moving or transferring or whatever else, the dynamic is people are making decisions. I keep losing, I keep losing, I keep losing. Then I make the offer and we won. We won the offer bid and I bought a piece of garbage I don't want to live in. I beat out the other offers. It better be worth sacrificing for. It better be eating spaghetti dinners for that you really want it. So we get calls all the time about people who bought too much house, and they are drowning yeah. in debt because they've got these crazy student loan payments. And they have all the credit card payments, and they had to get a nice car. And so they've got all of these payments in their life, and they're adding this big bloated mortgage because they are rushing into things, paying over asking, waiving the inspection and appraisal, and then going, oh, my gosh, we got to fix the roof, and the HVAC's going out, and we had no idea. Mm. There's just that feeling of, are people going to get screwed on this if they rush in without being financially ready? Obviously, you got to be able to, to live up to it. You know, you got to live within your means, and but you got to you got to prioritize. What am I willing to give up to get a house? Yeah. How big of a priority is it to you, and what are you willing to sacrifice to do? And then don't do something stupid. And I think here here's the key. Back in America, right? I'll go real old school on you here. Back in the day, you actually had to own a piece of real estate to be able to vote in America. Wow. Okay. So when they talk about the American dream, how significant it was, there's tremendous amount of studies in regards to the type of citizens it produced, what it does for kids. But you have to earn the right to own a home. It's more expensive than ever before. So, okay, you got two new cars, it might be time to get rid of one of them. Where is your lifestyle? And so you have to earn the right to be a homeowner. It's not an entitlement. It's not, I'm American, therefore I deserve a house. You have to bite, fight, scratch, and claw for the down payment, for the savings, and you have to sacrifice something in order to get it, and you have to sacrifice something to keep it. Because ultimately, it's the greatest net worth for the average person. No question about it. You have to make some sacrifices to get there. So you can't have your cake and eat it too, jack up your credit cards, jack up your lifestyle, and then uh, overpay for a house. And, you know, you'll be listening to Dave Ramsey every day, let me tell you, if you do that. 
<laughs> As we wrap here, what encouragement would you give to that maybe the first-time home buyer or the renter who's going, it's mm-hmm. a hot market, I want to get in. Is there hope for these people? And you know, what encouragement would you give to them as far as the trends? Well, uh, number one, inflation is here and inflation's coming, both in cost of rent and uh, ultimately the cost of everything. Save your money. You know, try to get as much down payment as you can. Fix in as low a fixed rate as you can and put off these other expenditures. I bought the house and the cars came later. There was a lot of staycations in my wife and I's early life, okay? And it's, it's, is it worth fighting for? And it is. There is more inventory coming. Make the sacrifices. Sell the things you need to sell. Increase the income you need to increase. Get as much of a down payment. Get yourself a house. Because when inflation comes, believe it or not, what's going to happen is the rate is going to increase, which means it'll increase the cost. The prices might stay the same. Oh, I paid the same amount. It's 800 grand. Well, if you're a cash buyer, great. But, you know, I'm going to say we're going to reach a point where prices are going to plateau, but the cost of it won't because the mortgages are going up. Brian made it clear that owning a house is one of the best investments you can make. But if you're not willing to make some sacrifices, that house very well may own you. A lot of people just want their house or their equity, and they want it now. And being patient, setting realistic expectations... That's a tough pill to swallow. And rushing into a big money decision like buying a house is just a bad idea. Kind of like the movie Space Jam 2. I was asking for it. I wanted it. I was rooting for it. And then I saw the trailer, and it was instant regret. Thanks, LeBron. You start listening to the news. You start listening to your broke brother-in-law. You start to get excited about interest rates. You start looking at Zillow. And all of a sudden... You're knee-deep in a mortgage payment you barely can afford on a house you don't even like that much that costs you way more than you should have paid. This isn't theoretical. This is real life. And I talked to a guy who was willing to share his real-life story. In the 2008 housing bubble, when everyone was jumping on deals and buying more than they could afford, Nathan went from being a homeowner to a full-on foreclosure in one fell swoop. So, Nate, take me back to... 2005, 2006, right before this recession hit, what were you doing financially? So 2005, 2006, I was uh, um, working and I was making okay money, but I wasn't making a whole lot of money. I was living in the house that we were renting and right about close to the end of the year 2005, the owner of the house had informed me and my then girlfriend that he was going to be selling and he wanted to know if we were interested. And to be honest, we weren't really interested, but unfortunately, being young, dumb 20-year-olds, there was uh, people out there, friends, family going, oh, well, now's the time to buy. It's a buyer's market for houses, and if you don't buy now, you're going to wish you had, you know, yada, yada, yada. That sounds oddly familiar. Yeah, it sounds kind of a lot like what's going on right now. (laughs) Wow. So we went ahead and bought the house. And the mortgage at the time was upwards of, I think it was in um, the high 900s. So it was almost a thousand bucks. And our take home pay at the time was about 2,500 to 3,000 bucks. And so shortly after uh, the year started in 2006, life happened. And my girlfriend at the time and I both went our separate ways. And she signed a quick claim deed on the house, and I quickly realized I only had about fifteen hundred to two thousand bucks to try to make all my ends meet. And I was going through higher education at the time, a, a trade school, 
and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. I uh, initially called the lender to find out if there was a way out that I could just default on the house. And uh, he said, well, there's this thing called a second mortgage where you can take out a, an additional mortgage on the house. You know, we'll see if this gets you through your training that you're doing. And uh, next thing I know, my payments went from about nine to a thousand to almost 1400 bucks with my take home pay being $1,800. So next thing I know, I'm in the middle of my higher education and this house is going into foreclosure because there's no way I can afford those payments. You know, looking back, back then, my biggest regret was hearing people saying now's the time to buy and go in with them on that. Um, Flash forward, uh, I'm graduating medic school, and I have to walk away from this house completely. Um, you know, I'm not homeless, but, you know, it, it's just a messy situation. And I'm thinking at the time that my financial life is completely ruined. So who are these people pressuring you to go, hey, now's the time to buy. You've got to do this thing. So um, a couple of them were coworkers, one family member, and more than anything, it was the uh, landlord and or the the previous landlord and the uh, company that he was going through to sell the house. Of course, and I think that was probably the biggest pressure right there. And you know, my gut was screaming at me at the time: "Don't do this! Don't do this!" You know, you can wait a little bit longer. This isn't your dream house. You can find a better house for what they're asking. And you know, I just felt like it was a scheme that I need to get into right away, or I was going to regret not doing it. And turned out I wound up regretting it more doing it than not doing it. So this mortgage originally was, you know, over a third of your take-home pay, and then life happened, and you go through the separation, the quit claim deed, and all of a sudden you're paying $1,400 a month, and you're taking home $1,800, which is 78% of your take-home yep. pay. How did you survive? Um, I I couldn't pay it. You know, there there was no way, and it, I'm like – maybe I can, you know, get ahead and work a bunch of overtime once I'm done with this trade school that I'm going through. And the trade school didn't end for another four to five months. And I realized by that point, I'm like, I'm going to, you know, upwards in the ballpark of almost 10 grand. There's no way I'm ever going to be able to pay this off. Mm. What were were some of the emotions that you were feeling when you just felt suffocated by this mortgage in your financial situation? I felt let down, um, disappointed. Like I literally thought my financial life was over. I thought, you know, I'm never ever going to recover from this. And that, that's, a, that was probably the most painful, uh, one of the most painful feelings I've ever had was feeling like I was never going to recover from that. Man. And you're how old at that point? Uh, at that point I was 22 years old. Goodness. I mean, you haven't even started your adult life yet and you're at financial rock bottom. Yep. At 22 years old, and like now looking back, 38 year old me, I'd love to just go back and slap that kid around a lot. Be like, do not do this. <laughs> yeah, well, talk to that 22 year old who's sitting out there going, "Well, I'm, I'm wasting money on rent, and I just graduated. I got a degree. B. I got student loans and a car payment, but now's the time to get on this market. I mean, we don't know how long it's gonna. What would you say to that person in their 20s who has the mindset you had back then? If you can't afford it, don't do it. <laughs> Brilliant. That is some uncommon sense today. As you see, you know, banks just giving out a half million dollar mortgage to people who really can't afford half of that because of their financial state. And so we see a lot of these kinds of situations. A lot of people might be going, yeah, but that was the recession. That was 2005. It's a different time. And the times have changed. Do you think the times have changed? 
No, I think uh, in the not-too-distant future, we're going to be right back where we started. You got a crystal ball, Nate? What do you got? You feel like you know something I don't know. No, no, it just it feels a lot like I'm watching these 20-something-year-olds that I work with making the exact same choices, and it feels like we're going to go right back into the same exact thing. And that's it's, it's terrible because these kids, it, it feels like they've been indoctrinated to believe that that's the American dream. You, know, you go out, you get a bunch of credit card debt, you get a bunch of car payments and you get a mortgage payment that you can't afford. And the next thing you know, you're, you're uh, shelling out more than you're bringing in. You're, there's more bill at the end of the month, you know? Yeah. Well, to be clear here, so you didn't actually go through the foreclosure. You said you walked away. No, I, I, uh, what happened? I just walked away from it. Mm. So this walk away, is it kind of like a strategic default? Like when you walk away from it, does the bank then go, okay, well, this is our house now. We take the ownership and we're going to sell it and basically foreclose on it? Yeah. They sold it and then they went after me for what was left owed, if I remember correctly. Mm. And at the time, because the housing market had crashed, it was, I think the loan I took out was for 130000 And I think they wound up selling it for uh, under 90000 So I was on the hook for 40000 Oh, my goodness. How'd you pay that? I actually didn't. Wow. So I just kind of defaulted and let it run off of my credit after 10 years. And the the sad part is it didn't even show the official walk away from it until 2009. So it stayed on my credit until 2019, oh 13 years after I actually let the house go. Yeah. So things are good now then? You're in a good financial spot? Things are good. I'm in a great financial spot. I was able to put a pretty, pretty sizable down payment on the house that I just got, and I've got a fully saved up emergency fund the only debt that i have currently is my mortgage payment and uh i I plan to keep it that way that's awesome nate well it's an inspiring turnaround i'm sorry you went through what you went through but let me tell you that lesson learned i think it's i think it's stuck while we hate to hear stories like nathan's he's not alone a recent bank rate survey shows that two-thirds of millennials today regret buying a home Now, don't get the idea that I'm against home ownership. I'm all about home ownership. Backyard grill outs, shiplap walls, a musty garage full of your kids' old art projects, and an old dusty treadmill. I know, I know, you had the best intentions. It was a busy summer, I get it. I want you to have a home. I want you to have a home you love and have some stuff too. But not just because the market is screaming at you to act now, and definitely not at the expense of your financial future. So how do you know if you're ready to buy? Here at Ramsey, we always point back to the baby steps, our proven plan of seven steps that teach you how to save for emergencies, pay off all of your debt for good, and build wealth. So here's some questions to ask yourself before buying. Do I have debt? Do I have an emergency fund of three to six months of expenses? Do I have a solid down payment saved and can afford a healthy monthly mortgage? On the flip side, if you're wondering if selling is right for you, think about this. Is equity on your side? Are you also out of debt with cash in the bank? Do you have good options for somewhere to move once your home sells? Whether you're a buyer or a seller, those questions are an easy litmus test to see if making a move is a good idea without letting the market hype sway your judgment. To figure out if your financial situation gives you the go-ahead in today's housing market, I talked to my friend Rachel Cruz. She's a Ramsey personality, twice number one best-selling author, and financial expert. We talked about how to identify stop signs or green lights for buyers, sellers, and renters. 
All right, Rachel, let's talk housing. People are going crazy right now over this housing market. The inventory was down nearly 30% in the early part of 2021. At the same time, home prices were growing by nearly 20% compared to last year. Interest rates are at the lowest they've been in a long time. People are going berserk. So should people be taking advantage of the market right now? Um, I mean, it's just a big part of your financial life. And so you want to be really wise with it. So I always tell people, don't follow the market. Even if the market's good, it's bad, it doesn't matter. Is it good or bad for you? So knowing where you are financially is more important than where the market is. Yeah, it's interesting. People are freaking out over interest rates. And it's like, well, can you afford the house to begin with regardless of the interest rate? Yes. No one's really thinking about that. They're just thinking, I got it. This is a land grab. Yeah, like this is this is the time to do or this is the time to sell, right? Or whatever it is. But listen, if you keep just following what the news is saying and what and what is really going on in the market, you can make a really bad, damaging financial decision if you're not prepared for it. And so we talked about buying. There's not much to buy. And so people are going, well, now's a great time to sell. I can sell my house for over asking price. I mean, there's some crazy cash yes. offers coming in. So should people be selling their house to get ahead financially? No, not necessarily because you're going to have to go and buy somewhere, right? Or to rent. And rent is even going up as well. So just to do it, to do it, I personally wouldn't because of all the hassle, but I have known people throughout their journey of getting out of debt and getting themselves in a better spot financially. They do sell their house because they have tons of equity, but it's not the number one thing I recommend. Because again, if you sell, you're going to have to go and buy a top dollar or rent a top dollar right now. And get into a bidding war. And I've that's seen right. so many of my friends, even here at Ramsey, they're buying houses this year oh, and they're like, crazy. this is the 10th one and you get dejected and you're having to go way over asking and you're paying way more than you wanted to or should be for that same house that in a year, everything might chill out and you go, all right. You're exactly right. I've heard so many stories. And the thing is too, is your home, out of a lot of purchases, even more so than your car or other things, it's so personal. So you can emotionally get invested so quickly. And I've heard friends do this. Like one friend was said, but it's just the perfect house. It literally is the perfect house. And I'm like, there are so many perfect houses out there. Like you can find other options, but we get so locked in. And we lose all sense of math, all sense of common sense. So don't let the emotions drive your bidding war as well. You start to picture, this is where the crib's going to go. Yes, This is going to be a breakfast nook. Yeah. Which is all so good. But again, when it affects the numbers, mm, that's when you got to watch out. Yes. So for people who maybe maybe they have to buy a house right now, they're relocating for a job or they're expanding their family to get another kid, what would you tell them? Well, whenever you say they have to, I always have a red flag with that because – that means there's not options. So listen, there are always going to be options. Do you have to right this minute? No, you're going to be okay. But if you do, if you say, hey, we are in a position to buy, we are, we, we know we want a bigger house, you know, or we're relocating and we know exactly what part of the city we want to buy in, then you have to say, okay, what you're going to offer, you're probably going to get less house right now just because that's how the math works. So you have to be okay with that to know we're buying at the top of the market and the money we're spending on this house it's, the house is probably going to be a little bit less than what we were thinking because that's just how the math is going. So just be prepared for that. Yeah. And talking about people making bad financial decisions, we talked to a guy, Nathan, who bought a house during the last bubble and he ended up getting foreclosed on. And we talked about uh, the FOMO, this idea of like, I have the fear of missing out. Everyone was telling him to buy a house. This is the right time to buy a house. Uh, but clearly he was not in a financial position to do so. So why is that type of mindset dangerous? Yeah, well, the 2008 bubble is a little bit different, obviously, than what's going on right now. But I think, again, anytime the market is dictating 
your decision-making, that's a red flag. Or if other people's lives are dictating your decision-making, that's a red flag. You really do have to put the blinders on to cancel out all the noise of your friends, your family, the news, and really look at your numbers and just say, okay, take the emotions out of it. Numbers aren't emotional. There they are. You know, they're on the paper. So look at those and see. Because again, when you get in this comparison trap, this game, it is so easy to make so many bad decisions with our money. So you just have to say, you know what, I'm going to do what's best for me and my family right here, right now, and stop worrying about what everyone else is doing. So if people do decide to buy a house right now, what what tips and tricks, what's the right framework they need to be looking at so that they don't get in over their head financially? Yes. So kind of our formula when it comes to home buying is we recommend to get 10 to 20% of your down payment to have that for your down payment. And then you want a 15-year fixed rate mortgage. So we want your house paid off as quickly as possible. So not the 30-year, the 15. And then that payment be no more than 25% of your take-home pay. So that whole formula is really going to set you up where your house, it's, it's a very, con- those are conservative numbers. Some people hear that, they're like, wait, what? And it is conservative because, again, people get over, in over their heads and their house becomes a curse rather than a blessing. And so you want to be able to say, okay, I'm going to set myself up well, and this formula really does it for you. But Rachel, I can get a certain loan with only 3% down and on a 30-year mortgage, I can afford it. We can make that work. What do you say to those people? And then COVID-19 strikes, right? Like, and then you lose your job and then life happens. And it goes back to this idea of there's things that we don't control in life. There's things that are going to happen that are really going to be a dent for us in life. And you don't want your house to be the thing that is just sucking the cash out of your paycheck. And so by having it at that 25% mark, again, a shorter mortgage, that 15-year, and even if the interest rate, depending on what it is, right? Like all of that being so wise with it, because if things happen in our, in our plan, you're out of debt, you have a fully funded emergency fund, and you're in a good spot. But when you're still deeply in debt, you have no savings, and you go and extend yourself on this house, the stress that happens, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Yeah. Everyone has this American dream of like, I want to be a homeowner. I don't want to waste money on rent and throw all that money right. away. And I don't want to be patient and content with what I have. I need to go out there while it's hot, while all my friends are doing it, and jump in on this. And you're saying that's a a recipe for disaster. It is, yeah. I think this idea of this standard of the American dream is crazy. I'm like, who made that up? Who decided that you can take, you know, everyone needs to— The mortgage companies. Yeah, right? This, like, standard of house. And I think— you know, I have had multiple friends that they go in and, and the mortgage broker will say, oh, but you, we can lend you this amount of money. If that's your down payment, oh, man, you, this could be, you know, instead of that 10 20%, we could use that for a 3% down payment. But this huge other loan, look, look at this house. So you really have to be decisive on what you want when you go and have these conversations. Yeah. So we've got to set the boundaries, have the patience find that contentment for where we're at right now. And eventually, we're in a good financial place. The market chills out a little bit. Yes. We'll get you in that home. Because here's the lie, too, and I think this is true for a lot of things, but our houses for sure, is, well, if I could just have that, it's all going to be better. Like my husband and I, we built a house. We've been in it for two years now. But I remember even that process of building, I would have moments, you know, with our two-year-old in the high chair and you know, she's throwing a fit or something. And I'm like, oh, if we were just in our new kitchen. Everyone Winston looked at me and was like, if we were in our new kitchen, we'd still have a crying two-year-old in the high chair. I'm like, yes, your pro- who you are just moves with you into a new home. So it doesn't fix all your problems. It's not going to just, everything's going to be magical and wonderful. No, life is still going on. And just because you change the scenery doesn't change your story. You heard it from Rachel herself. 
you don't need to be desperate to buy or sell a house. Whether or not the market cools and interest rates bump up, what you should do instead is focus on what you can afford and whether it's actually the right time to make a move based on your situation. But hey, it's easy to get caught up in the market hype before really knowing what's right for you. But it's not as easy when you have the hard, cold numbers staring you in the face. If you're seriously considering buying or selling, or even if you're just curious, figuring out your best move doesn't have to be rocket science. At Ramsey, we have a free tool called the Mortgage Calculator where you can plug in the numbers to see exactly what your home ownership options are based on your budget. To get a link, just text Fine Print 5, all one word, to the number 33789. That's Fine Print followed by the numeral 5 to the number 33789. You've been listening to The Fine Print. If you've enjoyed it, follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and share it with a friend. If you want to hear more from Rachel, check out her show, The Rachel Cruz Show, on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our show is produced by Chris Wright, Madison Browder, Eric Cheslevich, and Chris Dean. Our associate producer is Amanda Rogers. This episode was engineered and mixed by Will Rudder. Special thanks to Caroline Slemp for help on writing and research. Our executive producer is Blake Thompson. I'm George Camel, and remember, an abode is a fancy word for house. And a house is a home that just doesn't know it yet. Fine print listeners, we want to hear from you. Yeah, you. If you've got a story of falling for a money trap, believing a money myth, or not reading the fine print, give us a call and tell us all about it. You can call us at 855-855-5776. That's 855-855-5776. Or you can always email us at thefineprint at ramseysolutions.com. And to make life easy for you, we've got all that info in the episode show notes.